Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. My name is David. Oh no, I set off the alarm. Every day, we do CrossFit wads, and he and I compete with each other, and I usually beat him. The empty wagon always rattles the loudest. The media firestorm. Christian David and Jason Benham. One Twitter message. Yeah. Jason, aren't you upset with HGTV? There's David and Jason Benham. Jason Benham. and David Benham. Who firestorm controversy. I don't, don't want to get into a speech. Why do your hearts go out to them? If our faith costs us a television show, then so be it. The war on traditional values. Liberal activists demanded the network pull the plug on the show. The twins say their beliefs cost them the show. Now, a country founded on freedom of religion and freedom of speech faces fundamental questions. You guys feel as if you are willing to lose everything if you're standing up for what you believe in. You were fired for having an opinion. Well, we weren't fired for having an opinion. We were fired for voicing an opinion. We let them know that we love Jesus and we love people. Jesus loves all people, but he does not love all ideas. That there is an agenda. What an agenda will do. Seeks to silence, silence the voices of men and women of faith, those that disagree with it. Go get your torches and pitchforks. HGTV's about to give a show to some Christians. There's an agenda that's out in America right now that demands silence, especially from men and women who profess Jesus Christ. Jason, aren't you upset with HGTV? That's Okay, we're not victims. We live from the inside out. We don't live from the outside in. We don't need media. We don't need other people to tell us how to live. We live from the inside out. We remember we were 12 years old when we prayed to receive Jesus into our heart. And I can remember our dad said, guys, when you give your heart to the Lord, you've now entered the battle between good and evil. But when you make your peace with God, you declare war on the devil. The message for this critical hour is that love looks like something. Love lays its life down whatever the cost. Love runs toward the bullets and does not run away and duck for cover. Now is the time for Christians to stand boldly for Jesus, whatever the cost. Thank you, Penny. Thank you. You guys can be seated. Uh, they're, they're clapping for me no, you know, because I, Penny told them to. You know, we should have our PR person, or we should have Ava, my daughter right here, I should have you come behind us in the next service and get that standing O so that we're these famous Christians and then we can promote ourselves and we can do all those things that we do in the church today. You know, how many of you believe, you got it, how many of you believe that it is a fun thing to follow Jesus? Amen until you find out where he's going. He's going to a cross 
and he wants you to pick it up and go there with him. You see, this is for the first time in our generation, following Christ might actually cost us something. And how many of you know that right now the Spirit of God is calling us into the sufferings of Christ? Moses in Hebrews 11, it says, he refused the pleasures of Egypt and rather chose to suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of Egypt. And let me tell you something. The passing pleasures of this culture that is redefining identity, redefining morality, redefining marriage, redefining life, redefining what freedom is or is not, all of this stuff is a lie from the pit of hell. God's word is the one that determines what truth is. God's word. And so we're gonna call you back to that. That's where we wanna be. I'm so thankful for the United States of America where the gospel, amen, where the gospel of Jesus Christ can, go, can not only go forth in our country, but can go forth around the world. Never in world history, we're history guys, never in world history has a country evangelized like the United States of America, but we've got to have freedom here on the home front. See, but I saw a, a, a meme the other day that had blank the fourth, and it was a word that started with the letter F, and I thought, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just leave? See, here's, here's what's crazy, and what most people don't consider, and they don't understand, is that nations mature like people do. Now, David, when he was 16, come on, and now he's 46, let me just tell you, there was some bad stuff going on, ladies and gentlemen. But what would it say about me if I judge him at 46 based on what he did at 16? The problem wouldn't be him. The problem would be me. So that's why I say we should celebrate this country. We didn't get it all right 150 years ago. We didn't. But you know what? We're getting it right. That's slowly right. but surely. But only so long as our spiritual leaders are willing to talk about these things from the stage. That's right. Praise God. We've got to take our cruise ships, turn them into a battleship. No more passengers anymore, crewmates. We're fighting. This is an amazing thing. Now, let me just introduce, by the way, I'm David. This is my little brother, Jason. He's, <laughs> I'm two minutes older. I'm better looking. I'm all the things that you're thinking. He looks like, he looked this little Hallmark outfit. I don't know what this is. I was looking at the worship team up you're here. You're wearing and I was like, nursing now, shoes. They, this is not, these are whatever no, these yeah, things are called. Shoes. David is older, shoes. but he's the only mistake God ever made. When he was born, God's like, oops, got to fix that. <laughs> then I came along. Come on. So I'm hey, the new over. Stop that clap. Hey, you want to come up here and talk I'm with him? Look at him. He's like, no, no, no. Oh, I this do is this. great. I'm the you know, do over. Just after, know just after we got fired uh, by HGTV, and we're going to tell you a little bit about that story in a minute, Glenn Beck called us. And he said, I want to have you on my show. So we flew into Dallas-Fort Worth, and our faces were all over television at the time because, I mean, they hadn't found Hillary's email server yet and all that other stuff. <laughs> Nothing was kind of falling apart. We were the number one story on Facebook for one solid day. It was ridiculous. So now we're walking through Dallas-Fort Worth Airport and people are looking at us kind of weird because the Communist News Network was playing. I mean, it was, that's the only way that CNN could have ever gotten people to watch hey, it. Hey, we're in church. You're not supposed to be political. You know, the Maxwell's, they don't get into this kind of stuff. Hey, listen. You're gonna offend them. What, what is CNN Plus's pronouns? Was and were. I heard it over here. Yeah, you got that. But here's the deal. Listen, it's like truth is like a beach ball. I love that we got the beach ball out. By the way, you're very talented up there on stage. I'm kind of a little bit intimidated. But truth is like that beach ball. You try to push that beach ball down under the, under the water, and what's eventually going to come popping up? 
Man, all these university professors that are prophets of Baal, all of these politicians, Hollywood, these athletes, LeBron James and others that are telling us how we're supposed to think and how they're oppressed and all this. They're Plus, trying Michael to- Jordan is the GOAT anyway, and everybody knows that. I agree. And don't think it, we missed those Jordans that the uh, guy up here was wearing as well. Oh, there well. was a couple guys. Anyway, you're trying to push that beach ball down. The truth is always gonna come out. So get on side of the truth right now. Jesus said, at my name, every knee will bow and tongue confess. So bow now. Don't wait till he returns to bow, because you will bow. So here we are now walking through the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. People are looking at us a little weird. They had seen us on the news, and this one dude's standing over there. He's got his arms crossed. He's just kind of looking at us, and Jason's getting slightly intimidated. And I'm like, okay, well, what's up with this guy? And then he comes walking over to us. So we're like, okay, yeah, what, what's gonna happen here? You know, hands out of the pockets now. And, and then he comes up and he literally, I kid you not, looks over his left shoulder and his right shoulder and whispers, are you guys the Benham brothers? And we said, yeah. And he looks over his shoulders again and says, thanks for your stand and took off. <laughs> Home Slice was terrified to be around us. Now, I wanna tell you something. That was eight years ago. We were cancel culture before it became a hashtag. We're the OGs of cancel culture. Now here's what happened. That radical thought mafia surrounded the wagons around us and demanded that we bow the knee. Demanded that we think exactly like the radical leftist extremists thought mafia wants us to think. How is it that they want us to think? And I wanna give you something very quick. We're gonna jump into our story. God created the heavens and the earth. And before sin came, marriage existed. I don't know if I got young ears in here, but the intimacy inside the marriage existed. Gender existed. Freedom existed. Of all the trees you can eat, just not this one. It was maximum freedom, limited regulation. All of these work existed. Individual responsibility existed. Relationship existed. All of this existed. But who was there watching the whole thing? the devil himself, and so what does Satan do? He sets up a counterfeit kingdom, and everything that we see in mainstream media today and in culture is an opposite, it's an attack on the design and the image of God. So now marriage is under attack, gender is under attack, sexuality is under attack, work ethic is under attack, freedom is under attack. You can't do any of this, but this one freedom you can have. It's like, are you kidding me? I'm not gonna abide by this kind of tyranny. That is kingdom. So we're going back to the design of God. And when we do things God's way, we flourish. And so they wanted us. Now all of a sudden we're here at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. We're seeing this dude literally run from us. We had a ministry, a massive national ministry call us that you guys would all know. And they said, one of the directors said, guys, we support what you stand for, but we are not going to be vocal about it. We are going to remove your names off our website. That is how the church has been pandering to this. Listen, let me tell you something. If my father and I am celebrating my dad and his name and his legacy and all the things that he did, and someone showed up to the party to say, oh no, Flip Benham is this and Flip Benham is that, and I was silent, am I being a faithful son? No, I'm like, that is not my dad. This is who my dad is. You may not know my dad. You can meet him, but don't you dare twist his name. Don't you dare twist what he says. 
That's we as the people of God. So we felt that real with HGTV. Hey, you gonna let me talk, man? One second. I'm like ready. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Everybody thinks I'm just a toolbox. And the reason he's, you are a toolbox. I'm getting self-conscious. The problem in America today is not the president. Would you stop? It's my turn. He's looking at me weird. I'm like uncomfortable. This is about to be a July 4th you guys have (laughs) never seen before. Um, The problem today in America is not the presence of darkness. The problem is the absence of light. Now, she doesn't go to bed at night and flip darkness on, right? She turns the light off. Nobody caught that, but whatever. Okay, (laughs) listen, you don't turn darkness on to go to sleep. You turn the light off. I don't open a closet door and all the darkness from the closet come and fill the room. That's not the nature of darkness. You see, our word says that we are the light of the world. You see, the nature of light, John chapter three, says darkness cannot overcome the light. Whoa, 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 stop. If darkness cannot overcome the light and we begin shining our light in our homes, in our businesses, in our churches once again, and in our streets once again, if we begin shining our light, what is a promise of God? Darkness cannot overcome it. It cannot overcome. And so the thing is, is that we have to understand when we shine our light for the Lord, it does two things. Number one, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's Matthew 5, 16, good works. How do you tip people? How do you treat people? How do you treat the Uber driver? How are you working? Are you cutting corners? What are you doing on your taxes? How are you treating your spouse? How are you raising your kids? Are you patient when wronged? Like these are all things like, I'm a Christian but I wanna slap people, that's me. So I have to ask God every day, God I really wanna hit that guy. I cannot stand what he just put on social, Lord help me. But right, this is our light, this is good works, but here's what else light does, and then I'm gonna let him go. Light also exposes the world's evil deeds. So now in the church today, we love, the cruise ship church loves to talk about the light that shines on your good works. We love that, and that's good. The problem is, have you ever seen a one-sided pancake? No, you ever seen a one-sided quarter? And there's always two sides, and there's two sides to Jesus. He will bless you, he loves you, he wants to restore you, he breaks those chains off of you, he refreshes you, and then on the other side, he says, now you go refresh others. You speak the truth, you storm the gates of hell, and the gates of hell will not prevail. So when you flip over to the other side, it says when you shine the light, it exposes the world's evil deeds. That's John chapter three. Okay, I'm, I'm buttoning in now. Go. Because we have the wrong idea of light in the church today. So let me ask you a quick question. How many of you grew up singing the song, This Little Light of Mine? I'm gonna let it shine. That was good, Aaron. Okay, you come up here and moonwalk to that. You guys ever seen him do the Michael Jansen dance? Michael Jackson? Oh, oh man, yeah, they that's have. intense. Okay, you need to do that sometime. Uh, but... We grow up singing that song, and in that, in that song, there's a verse that says, don't let Satan blow it out. I heard a right over here, Jason. Oh, yeah, when we Somebody. were in vacation Bible school, we were in Baptist school, and they'd say, don't let Satan it out. But you couldn't do that too much, because that could lead to dancing, and Baptists don't shake that leg. No. Little sinners. You, don't, don't, you can't dance in a Baptist sin, church. Sin, sin, sin. Well, we sing that song, but the idea and the image that comes to our mind of what our light is like is that our light is like a candle. Don't let Satan blow it out. Well, you see, the image of a candle is not gonna work in today's cultural context because what happens when the wind comes along and blows on a candle? What happens to the light? It goes out. That's, it's supposed to go out. 
We need to replace the image of a candle with the image of a coal, like the burning ember inside of a fire pit. What happens when the wind comes along and blows on that? There you go. The very wind that extinguished the candle's light ignites the coal's light. What's the difference between a candle and a coal? A candle is lit from, an, from the outside. A coal burns from the inside. There's something different inside of a coal. Jeremiah said, your word is like a fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary of holding it in. It's like there's crazy junk going on in the culture. And God, I know I got the message and I need to speak it. And if I speak it, my whole congregation's gonna leave me, but I can't hold it in anymore. You know how God gets you the light? You know how God gets the light that's in you out into the world? Do you know how he does it? He puts you in situations and around people who try to extinguish the light that's in you. And if you've been stoking that fire inside in the quiet of the morning, in the stillness of the night, spending time in prayer and Bible study and total surrender to the Lord, guess what happens when you find yourself in a situation where people are trying to blow out your light? The very act of them doing it is the thing that gets it out of you. That's right. Your pastors are case in point. When all hell hit the fan like three or five years ago, however long it was, all sorts of stuff that's happened, they entered into it. Why? Because there's something burning in them that they can't hold in. And when you get in the fight, sometimes maybe we say and do things that we could look back and say, ah, I probably should have said that a little bit different. If you follow me and David on social media, I promise you, you'd be like, whoa, what'd they just say there? And I would look back at that and go, that seven years ago, I'm a little more reformed now. Maybe I should (laughs) But listen... Nobody can criticize you unless you're in the same fight. That's right. You can't stand on the sidelines and go, oh, she said that or he said that unless you're fighting with us. And then you'll realize it doesn't always come out the way it's supposed to. I've been, I got four kids and I was in the, the delivery room four different times and it ain't pretty. <laughs> There's stuff that goes on there that I... Anyway, where did that come from? Well, what I'm saying is, you know what happens on the end of that? Do you know what happens at the end? Life. I walk out of there with a little baby. I walk out of there with life. Oh, it got tough there for a moment. And my wife said some things. I know she didn't mean it. And she really does love me. (laughs) She did not. But, but we got life. You see, my brother and I were raised pro-life. How many of you are excited about Roe vs. Wade? Amen. Isn't that amazing? Hey, let me say this. There's so, so many, so many of our celebrity preachers, they were throwing the black square. Even though we said, yes, the slogan is right, Black Lives Matter, of course, but it is, it is hiding a demonic agenda. And they throw these black squares up. But then Roe v. Wade gets overturned, and I started pilfering through the social media. Nothing, nothing but crickets. I'm telling you, now is it, you guys, I just wanna, we just wanna validate Troy and Penny that when we were on a cruise ship called American Churchianity and everything that's happening, they have pivoted into a battleship and they're leading the right way and standing in the gap and it is an awesome privilege for us to be standing here and I think we should give them an ovation for being good leaders. Amen, amen. Amen. Yes. Awesome. Hey, here's the beauty of this. When war shows up to the gates, those who know what to do and are willing to speak it will emerge the leaders. 
we're in for a little more darkness. It's coming. It is. But at the same time, with this whole Roe v. Wade thing, David and I, I, I honestly, I prayed for it, but I got to admit, I didn't think it would happen. And it's incredible that God in the Old Testament, you'll see he used the jawbone of a donkey on a few occasions. One time the donkey talked. The other time Samson used the jawbone to kill all the, the Philistines, the enemy. If God can use a donkey to do his will, he can use Donald Trump. Amen. Who That's got exactly these three right. Supreme Court justices in and there. And he can use pulpits across America. He does it with regularity every Sunday morning. Because God uses whoever he wants. We don't praise those people or worship those people, but God uses whoever he wants. You see, for us, our dad was a pro-life leader in Dallas, Texas. He was also a pastor, and he moved his office, his church office, out of our home next to the busiest abortion clinic in Dallas. This was back in the 80s. Well, what he didn't know at the time was there was a woman there who worked there. Her name was Norma McCorvey. She was the Jane Roe in Roe v. Wade. And through the witness of my dad and several other people that God brought to her life, she got radically saved. Dad taught us back there in the 80s that abortion is not a political issue, it's a moral issue, and we don't fight it politically, we fight it morally with the gospel of Jesus. So now we get an opportunity to see Roe v. Wade being overturned like this, and it's, it's an absolute dream come true. So Jason and I grew up in Dallas, Texas, home of God's favorite football team. They already Got a little that. circle in the roof so God can watch them. Listen, they're, they're a prodigal son, prodigal child. Y'all be in yeah. prayer for them with us. Can I tell him about Cam Newton? No, 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 no. no, I just have to say it real quick because Cam Newton, I heard this on the news the other day, he couldn't get into his house. This happened like three or four days ago. Apparently somebody painted an end zone in his front yard. He just couldn't get in. Come on. Great That's athlete. So Play defensive end. Yeah, dude, just come on, Tight seriously. End something. Use that athletic body. I like Cam Newton. Okay, so we graduated. And we went to Liberty University. We played baseball at Liberty. Graduated in 98. Yeah, go LU. We graduated in 98. I got drafted by the Red Sox. Jason was drafted by a lesser organization, the Baltimore Orioles. Y'all even heard of those teams? Like, even the bass guitarist had that cool Red Sox hat on. Like, you ever seen someone dress up an outfit with an Orioles hat? It just, no, it doesn't work. Yeah. So we played several seasons in the minor leagues. We never made it to the big leagues. So now here we were. We learned that when God gives you something, you gotta hold it with an open hand. That if you grip it with white knuckle tenacity and he wants to remove it, put something else there, he's gonna have to pry your fingers back and that always hurts. I, I see the heads nodding, we've been there. God wants you to have these things, he just doesn't want you to grip it. He wants you to hold what he gives you with an open hand and that's a lesson for the church today, whether it's your congregation if you're a leader, whether it's your business, maybe it's your job, maybe it's some relationships that are getting a little bit tense and you gotta stand for truth but you do it with respect, right? You just gotta hold it with an open hand. We learn that and that's a spiritual way of saying you couldn't hit a curveball but whatever, the analogy is amazing. <laughs> now we're out of baseball, we didn't know what we were gonna do. So Jason and I moved to the Charlotte area. We actually live in Concord with all the rednecks. I don't know, I mean, we're in Charlotte. Are we in Charlotte here? Yeah, that's right. We were back there eating off the charcuterie, is it charcuterie or charcuterie? Whatever, we're, we're Concord people. Eating with our fingers and Penny goes, you know we have plates. And I'm like, we're from Concord, Are you kidding me? Where's the liver mush? So here Jason and I are, we didn't know what we were gonna do. Now. We had been saved as young kids. I got saved at 12 at a youth camp. Jason was saved six months later. Don't just touch me, man. Six months later Can't at a little chapel service. So I've been discipling this dude for 34 years. So we get, Jason and I are in business, or we, we uh, moved to this area, and we didn't know what we were gonna do. And so we began to pray, 
And we felt like the Lord wanted us to start a company. So we started, we were like, Lord, we have no training. We have nothing. Like our dad was a pastor. All we've done is play baseball and we read the Bible. We didn't have social media. We didn't have any of this stuff back when we were playing. So I mean, we devoured scripture and by God's grace, that's been a pattern in our lives since 12. From 12 to 18, we would read through the New Testament every year. Our dad put us on this little schedule and then from 18, when we went to college until today, we've read through the Bible every single year. And that's not some legalistic commitment, but that is getting into the word of God. And you know that it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It teaches us how to live, teaches us how to love our spouses. Doesn't mean we're perfect by any means, but it teaches us God's ways. And God's ways are always best. And so now we're starting this business. So we said, God, we're gonna do it your way. And seven years later, we had 100 offices, 35 states. All of a sudden, we're topping these charts, Inc. Magazine and Wall Street Journal. And a production company reaches out to us and says, you guys want a reality show? We're like, no. Heck yes, we'll take a reality show. Are you kidding me? So in 2013, a production company came to the Concord area, put together a sizzle clip. You saw about 10 seconds of that sizzle. They took it to LA. Five networks wanted us. Now in the spring of 2013, TLC makes us our first offer. They said, we wanna do a reality show on you and your families. By the way, I'm married to Lori, and I have five kids. He's married to Tori, and has four kids. It is weird. So I'm in the, I'm in the lead. Yeah, but his wife chased me around freshman year at Liberty when she realized she couldn't have me, she had to go to second best. Oh, come on. That is not true. She'll be in the second service, try and say it then. I hope she stands up. No, I had to say she'll it this way, I didn't bow. wanna say it. She won't service. wanna say anything, but she'll wanna stand up. Okay, so. That TLC said, we wanna call this show Twinning. We want you guys to go in and we want you, this is literally, we want you to apply the principles of your business and flipping houses and all these other things, we want you to apply the principles, just don't open your Bibles. And we are like, okay, we get it. So now while we're negotiating, then HGTV called us, called my cell phone. Call yours? No. Nope. No, call my cell. <laughs> it was the general manager of HGTV, the uh, fall of 2013. They had just signed Chip and Joanna Gaines, Fixer Upper, amazing family. They just signed them, hadn't piloted them, nothing. So they're sending some showrunners down to Waco to figure out what their show's gonna be. They said, we're gonna call this show Fixer Upper. We wanna call your show Flip It Forward. And we wanna take the Gaines and the Benhams in 2014 and raise you guys to the top of our network. So we said, all right, show us the money. Well, they gave us this monster offer that we couldn't refuse, and by God's grace, we signed this letter of intent with them. But from the time you sign a letter of intent with, in reality TV to the time you sign the long-form contract, like the 60-page or whatever, it's about three or four months. And during that time, the lawyers at HGTV began to do background checks on David and me. And we had been very vocal about God's ways being best in life and building businesses because we had built a platform by God's grace that we had businesses. And so we were saying, hey guys, build your businesses according to the scripture and, and you'll be blessed. But now we also realized at the same time that we were building these companies and God was blessing. Marriage was hotly being debated. The Supreme Court hadn't ruled on redefining marriage yet. We started a pro-life ministry down there that, that ultimately became the, the, the genesis for love life. And so David and I were very vocal about these things. And I remember getting a phone call from, the, from our producer just before we had signed this long form contract. And she said, okay, hey guys, HGTV's excited about, about having you guys, but they need one question answered for the record. The attorneys have gone on and seen, you guys are pretty vocal about this marriage thing and you're pretty vocal about pro-life, but the attorneys wanna know for the record, are you and your brother anti-gay? 
Now, you guys know the answer to that, right? Because we're pro-marriage according to how God defines marriage doesn't mean now we hate a certain group of people that define it different than us, right? And Matthew 5 says, blessed are you when you're persecuted and falsely accused. People were believing an accusation about us that wasn't true. Now, we got one of two responses to that. We can either run from it or we can stand up to it. So I remember when she asked that question, are you and your brother anti-gay? Here's the thing. You wanna know what I felt in that moment? I felt fear. A fear like I hadn't felt before. It was so incredibly heavy. Because in that moment when I heard that question, I also heard a little voice in my head that said something like this. Uh-oh, you better be careful how you answer that. If you don't answer this the right way, you're gonna lose this platform I know you and your brother want with HGTV. At that point, they were talking about putting us into millions of homes. David and I said, we're gonna use this to proclaim the gospel. But now it's being threatened because the attorneys wanna know if we're anti-something which isn't true. And I felt that fear. But I said a quick snap little prayer and I said, no, we're not anti-anything. We're pro-Jesus, which makes us pro-Bible. And over the next three minutes, I explained to her that God's blessings are found inside of God's boundaries. And if you really care about people, you don't just talk about the blessed life. You gotta talk about the boundaries they need to stay inside of in order to get those blessings. Because if we don't talk about it or we remove those boundaries, blessings are replaced with burdens. You wanna know what her response was? Oh, that's good. Most of us at the production company, almost everybody I know at HGTV, and even your agents that happen to be the Kardashians agents out of Beverly Hills. We did not know that when we hired them. We fired them after a little bit. But they said, and even your agents believe just like you guys do. But none of us will talk about it. Because that's the stronghold, is it not? This is what cancel culture looked like before it became a popular hashtag. So I felt that fear, but I remember, whew, that's great. I hung up the phone, I wiped my forehead, I called David, I said, dude, we had a close call, man. I thought we were gonna lose the show. And I said, this this is great. Thank God he gave me the right thing. Well, two weeks went by, and we didn't get a phone call, text, email, nothing from our production company, the agents, or HGTV. And I honestly thought we were getting dumped. And I had never been dumped before. I had to go to him for advice. I'm like, how's this work? You know, he's all 14 getting dumped for the fourth time. Listening to REO Speedwagon. I can't fight this feeling any longer, man. You guys don't know REO Speedwagon. Yeah, they do. It's only the best. Only the old people know that. Yes. (laughs) Heard it from a friend who. Okay, Okay, stop. Anyway. So David said, I feel the same thing. He says, I think the attorneys didn't like the the answer we gave. So we got down on our knees and we prayed. And we said, Lord, do you know what we're going to do for you if we get this show? I mean, come on now. We can't lose this thing. And in the middle of that prayer, I had this idea. I said, dude, let's write an email to HGTV and try to save our show. So he wrote it and sent it to me. And I thought, wow, this is going to work. I read this email. You want to know basically what it said? HGTV, these are our beliefs, and we're never going to back off of these. However, when we represent your network in public, because they were going to put us on all the Ellen, all these shows they were lining up for us. When we represent your network in public, we'll be quiet about those beliefs. Now, he wrote it, so don't you judge me. You told me to write it. Listen, here's the crazy thing. He wrote it, and I approved it, and here's the scariest part. We both felt the peace of God about it. But you know what was happening in that moment? We were working for God and not with God 
because we were operating out of a fear of man and no longer a fear of God because we were focusing on that platform we wanted rather than the person who gave it to us in the first place. And anytime you focus on that thing that God has placed into your hand, which is a good thing he wants you to have, but anytime you focus on that and you don't want to lose it, you wrap your fingers around it and now that thing becomes your master. That thing becomes your idol. You're enslaved by that thing because you're not following that one. So David and I, we gave into this. But now, we knew not to send it to HGTV quite yet. We needed to send it to a spiritual mentor of ours. This is the beauty of being in church. You have other people around you that can be good counselors for you before you do stupid stuff. So David and I decided we weren't gonna send it to our dad because we knew what he'd say. And we weren't feeling that spiritual. You wouldn't have either, so don't look at me with those judgmental eyes. We wanted a yes man. So I, we sent it to a pastor friend of ours who actually, you maybe have heard of him, Dr. Michael Brown, who has a great radio show. He's a mentor of ours. We sent it to him, and within three minutes, he sent an email back that said, how dare you boys write an email like this? This isn't who you are. How do you know that God isn't raising you guys up for a time like this so you can lose your show in front of everybody and tear down a stronghold that's ransacking this nation? You don't need to press sin. You need to get on your knees and repent. It didn't feel very Christ-like to me. Listen, but that's what we needed because in that moment, we heard the rooster crowing just like Peter did when he promised his best friend to his face, I will never deny you even if all these other cats do. That very night, he denied him three times. David and I experienced what that felt like and we discovered that boldness apart from brokenness makes a bully that God had to get us to the bottom of ourselves. We didn't know what was coming about six or seven months later. We didn't know. But what God had to do is first break us of our self-sufficiency and break us of our man-pleasing spirit. So we got down on our knees and repented. And we discovered that the secret to courage is first recognizing your inner coward and then allowing the Holy Spirit to unleash your inner lion. So let me fast forward the story a little bit. We go two weeks, not here in squat. Then out of the blue, one of the executive producers calls. And they had just done the pilot for Fixer Upper. And they were like, man, the pilot was great. Are you guys gonna sign with us or what? We, didn't, we thought it was over, but we said, heck yeah, we'll sign. So now all of a sudden we, you know, we sign. We're five weeks into a 10-week film shoot right here in the Charlotte Metro. We're traveling all over, cameras everywhere. It's crazy. Now they're running commercials and they have the Gaines and the Benhams on all these commercials and now all of a sudden they're getting endorsements coming in and we're like, I can't believe this is actually happening. This is so cool. And then that's when it began to happen. When the Thought Mafia, and I'll just say these organizations, People for the American Way, the Tides Corporation, the Obama Foundation, the Clinton Foundation, they fund, along with George Soros, they fund a lot of these organizations like the Human Rights Campaign, Huffington Post, Right Wing Watch, GLAD, GLSEN, NOW, all of these, Southern the Poverty Law Center. So all of these organizations get funds and then those organizations target people that are over the target. Like if, if they would never say this, but if you're speaking truth, and if you're gonna have some sort of a platform, they're gonna come at you. They go at Drew Brees, or they'll go at, you. you we're, we watch it, right? If you have a platform, they're gonna go at you. And so now all of a sudden, all guns came on us, and they went to HGTV. Don't you know these guys hate women, they hate gays, they hate, all blah, hate, 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 and HG said, no, they don't. We've already done, we've been with them 18 months. These guys are gonna be stars on the network. So they called Jason and I, 
and they walk us through, listen, these groups are coming at us, but we're gonna stick with you guys. You will be stars. That's literally what they said. So Jason and I are like, sweet. And I remember waking up a couple of mornings after the HGTV had called us and saw texts from friends that said, hey, what's going on with your show? And I'm like, what do you mean? All I know is we're gonna be stars. <laughs> what's going on with you? They're like, have you seen Facebook page? I was like, no. So we went to the Facebook page and it said one sentence, we are reviewing the Benham Brothers show. And then underneath all these comments, the most disgusting comments about our kids and our families, I mean, it was just horrible. So Jason and I are like, what on earth's going on? And at 11 o'clock that day, we were filming uh, over at um, the Metrolina greenhouses. We were filming and uh, HG reached out to Jason and I said, can y'all hop on a quick conference call? So we did. And as soon as we got on the call, right out of the gate, the GM says, guys, we're canceling the show. So as soon as I pulled Jason out of the fetal position. What had happened was these groups had written a brand new article by Right Wing Watch about me and David and said, look who HGTV is about to hire. And then they had all this just lies, lies and told us how bad a people we are and how we hate people. And they took all, everything that we've ever said and pulled it out of context and threw it in and and basically, the whole world was saying, don't hire them HGTV. Right. So, so the HG GM thought the, the GM, world was falling apart. The GM said, we can't believe they're doing this to your families, but we cannot handle our advertisers getting hit, so we're gonna fire you guys. So the first thing we said, thank you for believing in us. And then I quoted Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things, someone say all things. All things. Even bad things? Yes. Even if you lose that thing? All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to, wait, hold on, say his purpose again. It ain't your purpose, it's his purpose. And his purpose, when you look at Hebrews 11, some of them died, many of them died. Some of them were boiled in oil, some of them were sawn in two, and yet that might be his purpose for you, but for us, we've never had to have all that. And then I told HGTV, I said, there's a Goliathan culture that is bullying and intimidating people of faith. This was eight years ago. They're like, Goliath? No, they didn't say anything about Goliath. But I said, and you guys got bullied into this and we are absolutely not gonna back down. See, from that point forward, David and I went on about 200 one-on-one interviews from Megyn Kelly and O'Reilly to all of them. We had no clue what we were gonna say, but we got a chance to see what Goliath looks like today. It's not a human being. It's an ideology funded by an evil spirit, evil demonic spirit, and it's causing pastors and our spiritual leaders to run from the battlefield. But when David showed up to fight Goliath, he was first willing to face his fear. He was first willing to let go of the fact that he had already been promised that he would be king one day. If David were operating strategically instead of spiritually, like he and I were whenever we wrote that email, David would have said something like, hey guys, one day when I'm king, I'm gonna take out that giant. But right now, I gotta stay out of the fight because if I get in a fight, I could die. And if I die, I'm not gonna get that promise God gave me. He was first willing to let go of the promise. Okay, God, you said I'd be king. I don't know how it's gonna work out. All I know is that dude's got a big mouth and he's uncircumcised. I got him. (laughs) Sure way you're gonna get in fight with a man. Start making fun of him Okay, okay, Jason, we're at church. But now here we are. David was willing to face his fear. And then what happened? God took over the fight. God promises that boldness precedes miraculous. Your greatest blessing is only found on the other side of your greatest fear. You have to be willing to let go of that thing that you're holding on to first and then step out, face your fear. 
and then watch what God does. You know, on the other side of this whole HGTV story, we, we have a testimony now that we believe God gave us as divine sabotage to bless the church with. Because listen, we're better off now than we were then. Now, walking through Target and seeing the Magnolia booth, I'm like, I would have loved to have collected on some of that cash. <laughs> other than that, Roe v. Wade gets overturned. I'm like, I'd rather stand right there. And when marriage eventually gets overturned, I'd rather stand right there. And when our kids, our kids could have been all over TV and stuff, but they see their dads taking a stand by the power of the Holy Spirit. You already know how weak we were, right? We're not up here saying we're like, you follow us. We're saying we follow the Holy Spirit. And our kids are not gonna just follow your money. They're not just gonna follow your influence and your coolness and you know how many parties or whatever you could do at your home. They're gonna follow your courage. That's what your kids are gonna follow. And so I wanna finish with Acts chapter four, verse 29. And if you guys could just stand to your feet as we close this out. I wanna give just a, a threefold closing here for your response. You know, a lot of times we sit in church and we consume. We can consume a really good story or we can consume some really good preaching that you guys get here quite often. But this is an opportunity for you to respond. Like, what are you gonna do with this story that's just been told you? What are you gonna do with the scriptures in Matthew 5, 16 and in John 3 that have been given to you? And what are we gonna do with Acts chapter four, verse 29? The reason I'm going to the book of Acts is because that was the early church. That was the first century church. Guess what they didn't have? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They didn't have central heat and air. They didn't have cool preachers. They didn't have all that stuff. How on earth is the church supposed to expand? They didn't have conferences. They didn't have self-help books. They didn't have any of that. But what did they have? The power of the Holy Spirit gifted to them from the resurrected and ascended Jesus Christ. And do you know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? It lives in you. The anxiety and the depression, the suicidal thoughts that are coming are attacks from hell that want to pull you out of the fight. You have an opportunity to speak to that mountain, just like we worshiped earlier, and say, move in Jesus' name. But guess how it moves? If you take a water hose and put it into a muddy pit, just a big old mud hole, guess what's gonna get inside the water hose? All the mud. But guess what happens when you turn the spigot on? All the water pushes the mud out and there's no way mud can get in. Now is our time, now is your time to respond and say, I'm turning the spigot on, the water of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, they didn't have all that we have today, but here's what they did have. They had courage. They had the Holy Spirit. They had seen Jesus. And it's our time right now as the church to respond and say yes to the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I wanna invite you to come to know him today. Freedom House has some great resources for you when Aaron and Stephanie come up to close this out. You'll hear more about that. But now is your time to turn to Jesus. This culture is a lie. What we're seeing on social media, what we're seeing come out of Hollywood and now Disney. Go woke, go broke. Who knows what's gonna happen to Disney? But we're, it's a lie and they're targeting our kids. Now is your time to turn to Jesus. Turn away from your sins. You're not identified by how you feel. You're identified by the God who created you to know him. That's where your identity is. Come to know Jesus. That's number one. Number two, 
If you're not in this book every single day, I'm not calling you to a legalistic life, but I am calling you to know the God of this book, the living, true, inerrant, inspired word of God. If you're not in this book every single day, I'm calling you and asking you to make a commitment to that today. And lastly, as I read Acts chapter four, verse 29, you're gonna see what I'm calling you to do Lastly, and it says, Acts chapter four, verse 29, Peter and John, they're surrounded by an arrogant, militant paganism. Very similar to kind of what we kind of feel today. And they said this, and now Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with great boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal with signs and wonders performed in the name of your servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with great boldness. That's what God is calling us to do. So I'm gonna pray and uh, Aaron and Stephanie are gonna come finish us up. But if you do not know Jesus, now is your time. Turn to Jesus, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. If you're not in the word of God, make a commitment to the Lord. He sees your heart. We're not gonna have an altar call, but he sees your heart. Make a commitment to him. I will get into the word of God. And then lastly, if you're ready to be bold, if you're gonna stop being silent, and I'm not talking about stirring up things you shouldn't stir up, but right where the battle comes into your home, right where the battle comes into the workplace or with your relationships, you're ready, willing, and able to be bold. As I pray, I want you to commit this to the Lord. So Lord Jesus, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, Lord, with uplifted hands, we just surrender our lives to you. I pray, Lord, that those who don't know you would come to know you in a real way. I am so thankful that you save sinners like us. Lord, you give us a new song and put our feet upon a new rock. Lord, and we just thank you for your word. Lord, we commit to getting into your word. Lord, we get so distracted by social media, so distracted by videos, so distracted by media. Binge watch this, binge watch that. Lord, let us binge on your word. We commit again today back to your word. And Lord Jesus, give us boldness. Holy Spirit, give us boldness. Just like Peter and John prayed, we are asking you for boldness. We know how weak we are. But Lord, we need you. So we give all this to you. The day before we celebrate the independence of our nation, we are thankful for this country. We are thankful that you have saved us for such a time as this. Answer these prayers. Send the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we wanna hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.